Episode 115, Finding Hellabass, Hellafast. Going to give you a breakdown recap of how I broke down my first three main tournaments of the year, got on quality fish and good numbers, and had success. Whether you're tournament fishing, kayak fishing, bank fishing, fun fishing, the rules and practices will apply to your fishing and help you catch more big bass and suck less. Enjoy the episode. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. Here we are, back, Wednesday night, Hello Bass Live, what's up everybody? Solo show tonight, should be a good one, kind of had something on my mind to, to discuss tonight, and I think it'll make a pretty good show. Had a busy schedule this week, didn't really want to worry about trying to get a guest lined up in case some things changed up, and uh, so here we are. Let me know in the comments how everything's sounding and looking. What's up, uh, New Hampshire Life, Joe and Tim? Chris in the house, lots of familiar faces. What's going on, everybody? Should be fun. I'm, I'm excited. After a week off, I'm excited to get back. I'm always excited to talk on the streams. But uh, tonight, especially after having a week off and having a tournament weekend, excited to, to break it down, answer a bunch of questions. Darius, when are you not at Lake St. Clair? Do you have a job? Do you just, what, what's going on? I feel like every week that I go live, you're you're chiming in from St. Clair with giant smallmouth. <clears throat> going on brian good to see everybody should be good people are pouring in fast and furious retired that's the life buddy busted for years and years and enjoyed the fruits that's good to see so this week we are definitely i'm gonna so i kind of thought i like had three pretty good tournaments in a row in the tbf team trail unofficially i don't know i haven't seen the results but i think we're tops in team of the year now and i thought mid-season time to have a little reef uh, review kind of talk about and i thought you know not everybody fishes tournaments uh that watches these live streams or watches these videos or even the podcast or the audio version right but we're all faced with the challenges of finding fish quickly breaking down lakes so that we can have fun and success so i think if i kind of walk through some of my Thought processes, how I attack these systems, bodies of water, decision-making, whether you're a bank angler, a recreational angler, or a diehard tournament angler, I think there will be some good stuff. And I think there will be some nuggets that we can all take away and learn from that hopefully will help all of us. And maybe even just like me rehashing some of it, you know, and, and reflecting on past experiences also makes me a better angler and help us all suck less a little bit. <clears throat> Thanks, Seth. Yeah, the boat's, the boat's been good. Uh, enjoying it. it was it was good to fish a full-fledged derby out of it this weekend matthew what's going on so that's kind of be the breakdown of the show uh obviously we always want to make sure we thank arsenal fishing for supporting the stream uh, and the channel without them it's not as good a production so make sure you give them a shout out and if you're in need of some 
wacky tubes, some sun shirts, some headwear, some gear. Uh, you know, make sure you check out Arsenal. <clears throat> Use the code down below. Yes, Hella Heads United. I kind of like that one. <clears throat> yeah, we're all going to try to suck less a little bit, Tim, for sure. How is the Sunk Croy River this time of year? How much do you catch them out there? I haven't fished the Croy in over 10 years. I'm not sure. It can be really good at times. It can be stingy at times. Um, I haven't been out there enough to give you much, but uh, it definitely has a good population of smallmouth. I should probably unmute myself. Sorry about that. Did, I, did you hear me talk about the St. Croix? I don't think I, you heard me. J-Bone, I haven't fished a St. Croix in a long time. And uh, it's got a good population of smallies. I couldn't tell you what's going out there. It definitely would be post-spawn early summer. You know, cover water with topwaters, jerkbaits, maybe Kytex, some tubes, hit high percentage areas, current breaks, things like that until you find them. But I haven't been out there in a while. What's one bait Chris Russ needs to add to his cart? Anybody in the chat, feel free to at Chris and give him your his opinion. Ooh, I mean, I would, as much as it pains me to say it, the, my most productive bait this year has been the Maxan General uh, on a wacky rig. So I need to restock some of those because my boat was just about empty. Even though I only use like one pack all day to catch like 30, 40 fish, um, I was, I'm running low on those, so I need to get some more Generals. Um, But one, I don't know, like a cool bait? I don't know. What's one bait? Oh, it's tough. It's hard to know with like, what else? Like, where are you fishing, Chris? What do you want to do? What don't you have? That's, that's difficult. Uh, maybe get yourself a glide bait, like an Arashi glide. That'd be fun. Yeah. I need to get some of those before you guys grab them all. Can't go wrong with the Bass Tech jig. That's for sure. What's going on, Dax? So as I mentioned, uh, <laughs> I was saying, I don't think you heard me, that we are having a members-only stream tonight after this. Um, and so if you're not a member and you want to join, we are giving away uh, a Mystery Tackle Box giveaway tonight. Uh, we gave away the regular one uh, earlier this month, and then we're going to do the members-only giveaway tonight. So at least once a month, I do a members-only stream. So if you're interested in that, there should be a link down in the description below on how to become a member. So you know, that's an option for those that want to get more hell alive and more content and more access. Uh, definitely check that out on the YouTube channel. New Bassman Spinner Color. Stephanie's got a great point. Jackhammers are great for birthday boys. <clears throat> so there we go. So, like I said, we're going to kind of break down things, start at the beginning of the season, and talk about how we've kind of put together a pretty good string of tournaments in the TBF team trail. So it started on the river back in April. April, was it like 23rd, 24th, something like that. And there's a weird pop-up on my YouTube screen. Sorry, got, got me uh, <laughs> distracted. But that was an early tournament. We had a cold, prolonged spring 
Wasn't sure it was like a little bit of high water, but not super high for the spring on the Mississippi River Pool 4. And had not spent a lot of time down there. My partner, Brian Bankston, banger, had fished down there quite a bit more. Uh, we took his boat because I didn't have a boat at that time. And we had basically two days of practice. We had Friday and Saturday, not super full days because I had to get home for some hockey for my daughter, but pretty full days on the river. I think we fished about eight hours, nine hours, both days. The first day we dropped in on the lake portion of pool four, Lake Pepin. We fished a bunch of our kind of old favorite spots for spring smallies and things like that. Spent the morning there like three, four hours literally never got a bite or maybe had a bite, maybe didn't, maybe saw something on active target, maybe didn't, but for sure did not catch a bass. I don't think we even caught a short one. I don't think we caught Northern a Wally or anything. It was like, that was tough. And it was like blowing rain, wind. It was cold. Like our fingers hurt. It was just like, it was like high in the forties. Water temps were in the mid forties. It was raining. It was miserable. So we pulled the plug on the upper portion, decided we want to go out and check pool five, put on the ramp, got banger some gloves at quick trip, got some hot cocoa, got some warm food, kind of dried out a little bit. <clears throat> I make our way down to pool five, fish a bunch of current spots down there, figuring we're looking for pre-spawn, mostly smallies at this point. I mean, obviously we wouldn't turn down some largemouth, but that was kind of the game plan. And we hopped around, hopped around, hopped around, fished a bunch of Kind of Brian's old favorite areas. Looked at one area that I wanted to look at and just were struggling. On top of that, strong south wind, right? So if you're not familiar with the river, it flows north to south, Mississippi River. And when you have wind blowing against the current, it kind of messes up the current. So the current was strong, but then you had a south wind blowing against it, which kind of messes up the current and also messes, really makes it hard to boat position and fish current seems effectively. And also, with the waves pushing upstream, it's really hard to see the current seams and make effective presentations and things like that. Um, and so that was really challenging. <clears throat> we fished around, fished around. We fished a closing dam that was usually pretty good. And then we got just above that, around a little bit of grass. And finally, I caught one on a, a red six cents lipless crankbait. It was like a two, two and a quarter ounce molly. And we were probably seven and a half hours into our day. And that was our first bite. It was good to get a bite because we were about to get skunked. So literally fished, ended up fishing nine hours a day and caught one two pound smolly. Not a great start, not a great feeling, <laughs> but it was uh, a clue and reinforced that that lipless crankbait that I had used the year before was still a good bait, could still get bit on it. Um, and so that was day one and that kind of really like made us think, all right, like, what do we, what do we got to like reboot? We went home, kind of got refreshed and had to put a new game plan together. No worries, Greg replay gang strong, always important. Um, so we go back out and we decide that we're going to try the lower end of the lake this time. And, uh, Brian kind of had a hunch on a spot that was a little bit sharper break, a little bit more adjacent to a wintering hole area. And we started out <clears throat> way on the deep edge of it, like, I don't know, 15, 18, 20 feet. Fishing around, fishing around. Brian gets hung up. I'm throwing a jerk bait, And I decide that I want to kind of go up on top a little bit while he's hung up. So I get up there and I literally make one cast on kind of the shelf. It was probably in, I don't know, six, eight feet. 
and I and I catch one like a two pounder. And I was like, nice, that's cool. We got we got like it took us like seven plus hours to get a bite the day before, and you know I probably got bit 20, 30 casts into the day on day two. So I was like, nice, sweet. And then I literally take that fish off, take a little picture for Instagram, like kind of celebrate it, throw it back out there, catch another one. We're like, we're out like two fish, one spot. Like that was like all we needed to see. They weren't big, but they were just solid, good, chunky two pound keepers. We were like, no need to hook another fish. The bite is clearly tough. You know, uh, any fish on there that's going to bite the next day, we don't need to be stinging because like getting five fish is going to be a challenge, at least from our perspective. And the tournament, suggested that it was tough to get a limit <clears throat> um as far as the jerk bed i was throwing it was a uh jackal rearranged medium diver so the equivalent of a mega bass 110 plus one in the jackal rearrange good reminder john hit that thumbs up thumbs up life costs you nothing helps out the channel we'll see you later new hampshire life um so that gave us a little bit of confidence. Like we felt like, okay, at least we've got a spot we think we could go to and get a few fish. And, you know, if we got two on back-to-back casts, probably could catch a limit there. You know, whether it would be a quick limit or we'd have to grind it out, like pretty good chance, you know, we could catch a limit there. So we ran some other stuff on the lake, checked some stuff that, you know, should, should have been good. Didn't get any bites the next day. You know, things that were perennially good and they just, this wasn't happening yet. I don't know if it was the the cold snap, the the south wind that had some of those things jacked up. Even though there's not a lot of current on Pepin, there is a little bit. So, <clears throat> um, yeah. So that was uh kind of the morning. <clears throat> Take a quick acknowledgement here of Top Toad. Welcome to Team Hella, Top Toad. Much appreciated. Glad you uh, joined up, and hopefully you can make the uh, members stream tonight, as long as with a bunch of the other members like Jay and. And Tim and Tom can make it as well tonight. Um, we got to give uh, Top Toad the proper welcome here and uh, give him us the uh, the one of us, one of us. Welcome to the Team Hella, Top Toad. <clears throat> so always awesome. Always enjoy the extra support. And, and I love, really enjoy kind of the, the hangouts because as much as I try to keep up with the chat with, uh, you know, so many of you in here on a nightly basis, that uh, in the members only, it gets really like intimate. There's usually like 10 or 20 of us in there and we can literally do every single comment, every single uh, question. <clears throat> um, and so we didn't get any more bites on Pepin. We went down to the top of the river, tried to find some more stuff, really wasn't working. Tr- bunch of current seams again, looking for more pre-spawn smallies down around the Wabasha area. You know, struggling, you know, crankbaits, lipless jerk, Lipless crankbaits, jerkbaits, tubes, Carolina rigs, just not not getting anything. So we did decide to go up and find a transition bank into a backwater. And Brian did catch two decent, solid, large mouth on a spinnerbait. So we thought, well, that was cool because now we kind of got like a one-two punch, right? At least we got we kind of got a smallie deal and a large mouth deal. And it wasn't like amazing, right? We got a couple bites in each place. You know, and it was a clue. It was something to go off of. We knew we didn't want to catch any more fish in one of those areas because it was going to be tough. We went to another backwater area that's perennially really good early in the season and literally didn't get a bite in there. Maybe caught one puck. I don't remember if we did. 
And there was a couple other people in there moping around. And it was like, you could tell they weren't really getting bit either. And this is like super big community hole. Everybody knows about it, but nobody was catching anything in there either. So literally in two days, we ended up with five fish in 18 hours of fishing for two guys. So not a lot to go on. It was a little bit of a warming trend, but we felt optimistic that, you know, we had something to go with. And uh, and uh, so you know we 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 get, we got a like a middle of the pack boat draw it wasn't anything great we kind of decided should we start on the smallish should we start in the large mouth Bankson wanted to start in the large mouth and I was like hmm, I think we got to go smallies and I, just the the field we were in I knew they were going to be more attracted to the lake. And we started to go up there, and we ended up splitting this spot with another competitor, friend of mine, Chong. <clears throat> you probably saw him in the video. They were kind of off in the Phoenix, and we were kind of like they we gave they, they got there kind of first, and we were off to the side. And they asked them where they wanted to be, let them kind of have first pick, and then we kind of moved over to the other side and we fished it. And <clears throat> I ended up catching, you know, several keepers. I think we ended up catching six keepers out that spot and two shorts. I think. Brian got one on the net and I caught the rest on that rearrange <clears throat> and uh, got us off to a great start. We had like a limit within like 90 minutes upgraded once had like, I don't know, like 11 pounds probably. And then we decided like, Hey, we're going to run some other stuff on the lake while we're up here. Not stuff that we had caught fish on, but stuff that we thought, like, if they're there, it could really go down. Like, we since we had kind of got, like, a good baseline, we knew limits weren't going to be easy, that we could kind of roll the dice and go for the home run, kind of try to freak show it a little bit, get a couple big bites, and maybe, like, you know, kind of go for the W. <clears throat> and uh, that didn't work out. That didn't work out. We went to go check the largemouth stuff. The wind had really kicked up there. And you might remember, like, it was, like, 25, gusting to 40. And it just, nothing was working. We went place to place to place, checking stuff, checking stuff, and nothing was working. And so we had like a dilemma. Do we go back and refish for the largemouth that we didn't get to bite early in the day? Or do we go back out to the lake? And uh, went back out to the lake. We went back to that starting spot. No bites. So we just kind of, we didn't have a ton of time left. We started kind of running similar type stuff back towards the ramp and caught a couple shorts, which gave us a little bit of hope. We kind of got some bites on a jerk bait and a lipless crank bait. And then banger caught like a almost four pounder on a jerk bait and culled out, you know, kind of a small keeper and boosted us up and ran a bunch of stuff back to the way and didn't really get any more bites. So I think altogether all day we had seven or eight keeper bites and, uh, Ran to some other people on the water that day, and they're like, no fish, one fish, two fish. So they're like, oh, we, maybe we did okay, right? And uh, so that that was, you know, we ended up taking second in that tournament. Hats off to uh, the Martins for winning it. They had all largemouth. We had all smallies. And uh, solid tournament. Like, you know, going off those five bites in practice, making sure we didn't hook too many fish in practice, giving ourselves options in both largemouth and green right going into backwaters versus main lake kind of diversifying what we had was kind of key and kind of gave us a one-two punch that we figured that 
depending on usually when you're on the Mississippi River, like either the largemouth or the smallmouth will go. So as long as you have a little bit of each, you typically can put together a, a pretty good tournament. It's pretty rare that neither one of them will fire on the Mississippi River if you have that one-two punch. So that that was kind of the Mississippi River in a hunch. Uh, I did see a question back here. I probably should have started. Somebody said, how do you find current breaks and how do you fish it? A current break is anything that disrupts the current. Sometimes it can be a boulder. Sometimes it can be a little kick out, a little point. It can be a wing dam. It could be a log jam. Uh, and you'll just typically will have a little disruption or a little seam in the current. And you're just looking for a change in the current. And somewhere in that change in the current, there's typically a slack spot where the fish can sit. So a lot of times you want to throw up and bring your bait down that seam or around that object or something like that. It's kind of hard to explain and it's a little bit kind of a feel thing, but basically you're looking for changes in the current and, and that's how you find them. And seasonally you need to look like early in the spring, we were looking for things that were like either going in or out of where we thought they would spawn. Right. So that's where you want to be early and late in the year. Or if you know where they winter, where they're coming out of those going to right. And then in the summer, you know, they're going to want to get, more main river, more main current, more main shoots and things like that. So you just kind of have to understand the migration of the fish throughout the season and then look for those current breaks throughout the year. <clears throat> yeah, we'll talk about Big Stone next. Uh, so we were there in May before the weeds were really up. Uh, uh, I assume if you were just there, it would have been pretty choked out because last year I was there on the 21st of June, which was Father's Day. And it was basically curly leaf pond weave from basically two feet out to like 14 feet everywhere in the lake. So I'm guessing that's similar to what you were seeing Shimano Shane. I can imagine uh, it does change how it fishes a little bit, but uh, they're still there and they'll still eat. Yeah, Darius, I need to try the user baits. I've looked at them. I just haven't pr pulled the purchase on any of them yet. I'm kind of waiting for Omni to get them in. <laughs> Recommendations for a six inch drop shot worm. <clears throat> um, you know, don't sleep on the trickworm. The zoom trickworm, you know, that's a great job shot. I know my buddy Kent Middleset loves to uh, fish the trickworms. You know, Zoom's got some good worms. There's a lot of good, uh, the robo worms. I think Aaron's Magic uh, and uh, Morning Dawn are two popular ones. There's some bluegill, sungill. Like a sungill net bait is a pretty good uh, worm. Um, I don't fish a ton of six-inch drop shot worms, but like bang for your buck, the the uh, the trick worm is good. You could use the forty-eights for missile baits, not bad. Uh, yeah, one of these days I'll get some of the user baits. I did look them at the TW the other day, but I didn't end up ordering anything. <clears throat> um. I think Tackle World is having a sale, so feel free to go hit the links up in uh, Debo's or Bateman's channel. And if you're going to shop there, otherwise, obviously the code strolling down for Omnia. That's always good. Helps out me. Helps out you guys. There will be a new code starting Friday. Um, so if you've used up this month's code, there will be a new code Friday, and it will basically be the same at OMHB22JUN. It will be JUL. What's up, Carol? 
So any other questions on the Mississippi River before we roll on to Big Stone? I think the Big Stone one is a little more interesting and probably a little more applicable for a lot of you. Um, but I'll give it just a minute. So that put us in second place at the beginning of the year, right behind the Martins. Good start to the season. You know, put a little ROI based on the uh, – and that was when gas was still cheap. It was like $4 a gallon back then. They were basically giving gas away back in April. Um, I was just fishing on all weekend long, Christopher. Just put up a tournament video on Tuesday from a tournament on Sunday. It's a good call. Flirtworm is a good drop shot worm, Tom. <clears throat> so on to Big Stone. Big Stone, I had one tournament last year in June. A little bit um, familiar with it, but never fished it in May. Based on what I had seen around the house, not that I had been out fishing a lot because I did not have the boat at that time. Still depending on Brian for his, uh, his 21 PHX to get out for that one. He couldn't make it until Saturday pre-fish, so I went out there Thursday night. And uh, kind of had an idea what the water temps were doing just based on what I was hearing from other people in the area that they were going to be close to the spawn, but I wasn't sure how close. Dipped it in Thursday night, water temp, high 50s, almost touching 60. So... Didn't have a lot of time. There was some severe weather coming in, so I didn't want to go too far from the ramp. I launched down in Ortonville, main city ramp. And uh, literally, I, I picked up a glide bait first, made like five, ten casts with a, a Rashi glide. Picked up a mag draft, threw that a little bit. And then I came up to the first dock, and I had a thunder cricket tied down from the river that I never really threw much because the water was a little too cold. And I and I skipped this thunder cricket with a uh, an arsenal minnow on the back under a dock. Made like three cranks and like loaded up. And I was like, oof, that's a good one. Like 503, five pounder. Very first like skip cast with a non-swim bait, catch a five pounder. And I was like, hmm, that's a, that's a good sign. <clears throat> fish down that bank with a mag draft and a, and a jackhammer, catch a couple more fish. Uh, and it was kind of a steeper bank loading, going into kind of what I would consider a, a likely spawning pocket. So I really felt like that was classic. Those fish were like setting up on the outside. It was a little bit steeper bank and pretty obvious they were, to me, at least the clues I was getting right, it was that they were transitioning in. So it wasn't quite warm enough, but they were like getting ready that when it got warm enough, they would just be able to slide around and get into some shallow water. Um, I did catch one on the Arashi. We'll talk about that in just a minute, Tim. Um, and so then I went into that, I fished around more on the, like the main point of that, that going into the pocket, didn't get any bites. It looked really good. Got in the pocket and I got like three or four bites pretty quick. And I was like, all right, there's some fish in here. They weren't quite the size that I would want. They were like two and a half to three, three and a half pounders. And on big stone, though, they're not like great fish in most lakes. Like you would love a limit of two and a half to three and a half pounders to get your day started or even and maybe just that's your bag but on big stone like three pounders really don't play so i wasn't too excited about that but it was something that i was like yeah it's good to know where there's a little cluster of fish so storm was coming in got off the lake it, it got pretty nasty there and pretty 
pretty spicy there for a little bit. Uh, sat at the holiday gas station, waited out the storm, had some terrible corn dogs <clears throat> for dinner. And uh, next day, had a full day. Uh, Brian wasn't there yet, went out solo. Went to a slightly different section, like down maybe like a quarter mile from where I caught that five pounder. Wanted to see like how far that bank was good. And I literally pulled up, fished 50 yards, threw the thunder cricket up under a tree and caught a six. And I was like, all right, no need to make another cast, right? Like on one end, we caught a five and a couple twos and threes. And on this end, we caught a six. So like, I felt like that was a pretty good bracket. And they're like, this stretch of bank should be good. Let's get out of here. <laughs> um, and so then I ran around, fished some offshore stuff. And then I went and looked for another little bank on an island and caught like a four flipping a jig on a lay down. And I was like, hmm. So I worked out towards the main lake on that island. Didn't really caught a couple dinks <clears throat> on the chatterbait on the jack or the uh, thunder cricket, and went out more on some islands. And I was fishing around another guy. I didn't really want to catch any. So then I picked up the glide bait, the arashi, and I was actually like going away from him, like and throwing this bait around some more offshore rocks. And I actually caught like a almost three pounder on the arashi. That was my first glide bait fish ever, Tim. And it was, it was nothing special. And I didn't really get it on camera because I, it did show it up, but like, I wasn't trying to, I was like trying to hide it. So it wasn't even fun. Cause I didn't like to want the guy behind me to see it. And so it wasn't as exciting as it couldn't have been. Um, so that was my, my glide bait fish. And then I kind of went around high, kind of going shallow more offshore, which isn't necessarily deep. And then I caught like a really nice one on a lipless crankbait off a point. And then Kind of went in this other bank and got like a couple good bites on a mag draft and started to piece it together and hopped around. And what I was doing on Big Stone is I was kind of sampling like super shallow to like banks leading into shallow versus more like offshore, just outside of shallow versus main lake. And I really was trying to test like where do I think the fish are? Because I really felt like any day they were about to like go shallow like i wasn't sure if it was going to happen during the event but i thought it could that literally like they could make the move to the bank and like it could go down like spawning on the verge of spawning like i wasn't sure how close they were um and i wanted to be on the front side of the fish i was hoping to collide with them because i thought in this tournament right this is a lake that kicks out freak show bags the week before i was there there was a 31 pound bag for five fish caught in a team tournament now second place was only 23 pounds but 31 pounds up where i live is i mean that's 31 pound is a freak show bag anywhere and in minnesota south dakota it's crazy right like outside of smallies on the great lakes you just don't see that and uh i wanted i really thought to win this tournament, we would need like 24 to 27 pounds. That was my mindset. Those were the caliber of fish I was looking. I was not looking to catch 17 to 19 pounds. Like that's just like, oh, that was fun. We caught a bunch of fish, but you're going to get pummeled on this lake day in and day out with that kind of weight. Because last year I had 22 pounds with Fabiano in June, which was post-spawn, and we were third. So figuring pre-spawn going into spawn, it was going to take even bigger weight. 
So I was really like testing that stuff. And to me, my bigger bites, the four, five, and six pounders were coming on those banks that weren't up on the flat banks. They weren't in the shallows where you expect them to spawn, but they were on those little bit steeper banks just leading into those places. And we tried offshore, especially the next day when Banger was out there, and we were catching fish like on tubes and Carolina rigs and stupid tubes and football jigs and crankbaits, but they were two pounders. And we kept checking that stuff and maybe we weren't, and maybe it was a little bit of luck that we just weren't getting the better bites, but we really weren't getting the quality bites. And when we would dip back shallow, we were getting closer to the right bites. So we weren't getting a ton of them, but based on that, with that other stretch where I caught a five and a six and where I was catching fours, and some of those other spots, it was all these lead in areas. So that's what we, we concentrate on. Uh, based on our practice, we, we, we had a few offshore spots that we could dangle in, dabble in, and check and mix in. But we really were kind of all in on, like, we wanted to be on those lead-in spots thinking that the fish would be funneling through there. And that was our best chance to, like, again, freak show, right? Like, if, if most of those guys we watched in practice were fishing a little bit offshore, a little bit, right? And obviously they were catching some good fish. But we thought there was a pretty good chance that with the sun and the warm weather that we were having, those fish would be leaving them and would be coming to us and that we would have a good chance of like literally colliding with them and just blowing it out. That was what our hope was and our plan. Like we wanted to be ahead of them and give our chance, give ourselves a chance to like really crush them. <clears throat> Chris, a mag draft is a mega bass swim bait. The one I was using was the six inch. It's a, a paddle tail. I don't have any down here with me uh, right now. But actually, I can show you. We can, we can pull it up on the old Omnia Fishing quick. Show you what a mag draft is. Because we'd like to show and tell. All right. Right there, Chris, or Chase, sorry, Chase. That is the mag draft. It's a six-inch bait. When you first start throwing them, when you're new to swim baits, they feel kind of big. But after you've thrown them a bit and you get a couple bites on them, they don't feel that big. Uh, Two-pounders eat mag drafts all day. Um, it's a pretty easy bait to throw. You throw it out, let it count down a couple seconds, and just a real slow, steady retrieve. It's got a nice wag. It's got, it gets, oh, wow, they got the albino pearl shad in there. Might have to add some of these to the cart because these are hard to find. Guys, don't snipe me before the stream's over. I'm going to buy some of those. All right. Anyways. Oh, nice. Is a bull shad a glide bait, Tim? Really? I don't think it, is that your first swim bait fish? Because I didn't think a six inch bull shad was a, I didn't think a bull shad was a glide. Isn't a bull shad a three joint bait? Ah, good question, Dax. The six inch mag draft, um, which I originally caught my first few fish on the mag draft when I was with Billy Coles down on Smith Mountain Lake, who was our guest, what, two weeks ago? Um, and he had it on a 764 Champ XP. Worked really good for me down there. Caught some nice fish on it. Skipped under docks really well. So I bought one of those this off season. And that's what I was throwing on uh, Big Stone. Worked really well. Throw it on 20 pound fluoro. You could use 20 pound mono, fluoro, and then just a good 200 size reel is all you need for a mag draft. You don't need any like super. That's the nice thing about a mag draft is you do not need swim bait gear. You can use a heavy jig rod, a light flipping stick, 
17 to 20 pound mono or fluoro on a 200 pound 200 size reel and you are good to go yeah and then yeah we can loop back robert on the uh the jackal rearrange colors for the river sure let's uh let's bring back up the the screen of truth here so if we go rearrange also a tough date to find in stock we'll see if they have them I was throwing the 110 on the river because it was cold, or the 110 medium runner. The 110 is also a good bait. They cast. That was the other thing I didn't touch on. In the river being super windy, I could cast the rearrange much better than Brian or Chong in the other boat with their mega bass. And I think those longer casts were key to uh, getting uh, the bites. So the color that I was using on the river was the Secret Shad 2 which is a little bit like jaint juice and uh, or uh, table rock shad, purple back, chartreuse belly, good kind of stained color bait. Um, and then uh, Banger did catch the kicker on this one, this Hasu, HL Hasu. HL Hasu, which is just a good minnow shad looking profile. Um, I bought some of these. I expect to throw these on like vermilion and smalley waters, kind of like the looks of this. And I did catch some fish on this on pool two right before the spawn as well. So this this, but you know, and then if you've got stained water, you can't go by go bad with these matte pearl whites. Those are good options as well. Um, if you got perch in your lake, there's some good perch colors. So that really they don't have a ton of colors, but they're all pretty good colors. So Hopefully that helps, Robert. All right. What's up, White Whale? You getting rid of the six and eight inch? Uh, Omnia does not have it. Sometimes they might be having a spot sale of some kind, but otherwise you can always use the code down below on the uh, ticker. I don't know if they're, they're always, I think they are running like what, some kind of tackle sale right now. They kind of hide them on their main page and you kind of got a, here, sales and promotions. So it's 25% off tackle storage, 20% off rod covers. Those are their two sales currently white whale. Oh, not sharing it. There you go. That's true, Tim. Until you get bit on them, baits seem real big. And then once you catch, they don't seem so big. <laughs> yeah, I probably should just not even mention that, Tom. I did not see that one. That was at the uh, <clears throat> the one on Green Lake over in Wisconsin after the Winnebago on that BPT. Good luck fishing with the bro tomorrow, Gramps. I should be getting out probably... Maybe Friday, but for sure Saturday, Sunday, Monday, 
should be fishing them quite a bit around the house. Yeah, the MR is a the medium runner, but it's it's a slightly deeper diver. So the regular rearrange 110 and then the 110 MR. So the regular 110 is like equivalent to a Vision 110 Megabass, and then the MR is like the plus one. It gets a little deeper. What's up, David? Yep, happens to the best of us, John. The tough days make the good days all that more sweeter. So where were we? We were going into finishing up practice, and I kind of was explaining, right, like what we were planning to do is try to be kind of where the fish were going and have them coming to us, and that was our plan. Uh, we went down that stretch in the morning, throwing chatterbaits, flipping jigs, where I had those five and six pound bites. We literally struggled to get any bites. I finally slowed down and flipped a jig, caught like a two pounder, put it in the box. We debated whether we should even do that. Um, and uh, and then we went down to where I caught the six pounder, nothing. And I kind of went back and there was an empty lift next to that tree. And I threw my jig back in there that I already fished. I threw it, threw the cricket on it. Banger had flipped his creature bait in there. I had thrown my jig in there. We fished the tree. And then I went back and I threw in there and I like soaked it in there. And all of a sudden, don't five pounder. And I was like, hmm, maybe we got to slow down. Maybe the bite's a little stingy this morning for whatever reason. And uh, so that that gave us a clue to slow down that day. Um, we started running back and I and I kind of switched up things. And I started swimming the jig more than the, the, uh, the cricket picked up a few fish we kind of built out a limit uh me swimming my jig <clears throat> around some rocks and some trees and things like that got into an area where i wanted to slow down and we fished it one way and i didn't really get bit and we came back the other way and banger picked up the senko and we fished a little slower and we went right back through where we had just fished and he caught like a four pounder on the senko and I was like, called out like a 12-incher. I was like, nice. So now we got like two good fish and three like good fish in most places, but in a in a place like this, not so good. So we started slowing down. <clears throat> and uh, I started getting like bit on my jig up tight to the bank and little shadows and little clumps of wood and little brush and things like that. And they kept on pulling my claws off or they'd swim out with it and I'd set the hook and miss it. And like like three times in a row, I would like, get the fish to nip my jig and I'd miss him and banger would throw in with the Senko and like, there he is. There she is. And like, if you remember the video, like he got, I didn't think I put a lot of the misses in the video, but like he was cleaning up on the Senko and he caught like three good ones in a row. And so that gave us like, what, like two, four, he caught two, four pounders and, and some threes. And I caught that five earlier. So we had like a good start to the day. We were getting close to 20 pounds and which is like good, but like not good enough to feel comfortable at all. And we stayed with that. And I caught a good one with the wind blowing in a, uh, on the thunder cricket, like another high three to get rid of like a two pounder. So then we had like a five, two fours and two like high threes. And we knew that was like 20, 21 pounds. We like knew deep down, like we needed another, we needed another like five. We needed another six. We needed like a true kicker to really like, have the bag we knew like 
having those two, like three and a half, three and three quarters was not a recipe for success to win on that lake. We fished hard the rest of the day, bounced around, fished the wind, checked the conditions, caught quite a few fish. They just kept on being like two and a half to three and a half pounders that wouldn't really move the needle for us. And uh, weighed 20.96 and like literally 21.05 was the last check. So we just missed the money, but we fished pretty good. Like we were like seventh or eighth in the tournament. Uh, Good points. And even though we didn't get a check, even though we didn't win, we were literally one bite away. And I really felt like we were doing the right thing. We fished clean. You know, maybe we should have like moved a little quicker, hit a few more areas, maybe been a little more deliberate with the Senko in a few more places. Maybe I should have picked up the Senko. We both should have been throwing the Senko for a while. Um, I'm not sure, but we were really close. Execution was good. We didn't lose any fish that mattered. We were literally one bite away. I, I don't feel bad about that. Sometimes things just don't go your way in the tournament. <clears throat> you know, shout out to Nick. Him and his team partner won this. He's a, he's a channel member here. Uh, he fished uh, against us this past weekend as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't feel bad about that, right? And, like, to me, I was doing the right thing. I was trying to stay ahead of the fish. I was sampling offshore to mid-range to shallow to make sure <clears throat> I wasn't missing anything and try to get a pulse on where were we getting the bigger bites and trying to stay ahead of the fish in the spring. And then the other thing that I think was really important is we sensed the conditions were changing. In practice, it was all about that thunder cricket and the bladed jig and the swim bait. Like moving baits, I could cover water, I could get big bites. But there was something about that day that just didn't felt right. And once we didn't get a couple bites, and when we slowed down, we did get a bite, that was an instant like trigger for us. Like, okay, we got to adapt. We can't do what we did in practice. Maybe we can fish in the same areas, but we got to slow down, be a little more finesse, a little more deliberate. And that almost worked, you know, literally one more bite, you know, would, would have been the, the, the answer. Um, Bo, when do I pick a T cricket versus a jackhammer? Honestly, that tournament, I had a thunder cricket tied on the river because I figured there was a good chance I would get bit off in practice by a pike. So I didn't want to throw a jackhammer in practice. Ended up never really being warm enough for the bladed jig to play at the river. So I never took it off. So when I showed up at Big Stone, it was still tied on from the river practice. And when I skipped under the first dock and caught a five pounder, I was like, we can keep throwing the Thunder Cricket, even though I really never had much success on it. And then the next morning I caught a six, and then I caught a couple fours that day. Like, so I, they were biting it. <clears throat> That's literally the only time that I've really thrown the Thunder Cricket over the jackhammer. So um, I can't don't have a good answer for you there, but I built some confidence in the Cricket this spring that I didn't have before. Any idea why I can't catch a large one over three pounds on leech? I do th- – leech is good – But I think it's on a little bit of a, like, you know, lake's ebb and flow. I don't think leech is on a peak for largemouth. It's still a really good lake. You can still catch a lot of fish. There's still big ones there. But I think think that overall numbers of big ones are on a slight down cycle. Um, But without knowing much more about where you're fishing or how you're fishing, they should be just about wrapped up on the spawn up there. Post-spawn funk could be part of the problem right now, DG fishing. But uh, hard to say. But when do you want a point or a painted blade? Okay. 
So when you don't want silver or gold blades, you go with a. But, okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. I was fishing half ounce. I think both of the half ounce you can keep moving pretty good. I don't know. I haven't played around with them enough side by side to really know about that. JP, I did get your email. So you're all set. You'll get that box out to you real soon. I'm not sure, Shimano, Shane, when the weeds go away. I would imagine it won't be that long, right? Because usually that spring cabbage burns off. So I would think a couple weeks, middle of July, I bet you most of that stuff is gone. At least in my Minnesota lakes, usually, you know, middle of July is usually burns off. So late July, early August, I would think that that curly leaf will die off and then you can focus on maybe the coontail or milfoil that's left and the rocks. No, I don't know. I, I never really repaint anything. Like I always think that baits that get chewed on, right? And they get rashes on them. The more the fish chew the paint off them, I feel like the better they work. I don't know. I never. <laughs> so that's how Big Stone ended up. Um, I don't know if there's any more questions about Big Stone. Largemouth Factory, you know, trying to stay ahead of them. Pre-spawn going into spawn, <clears throat> trying to really make sure that we can collide with them. It didn't quite work out, but I feel like we were really close to making it happen. And the big lessons there were, you know, making that adjustment to the conditions in the day and not getting hung up with what happened in practice. So how you apply that to your everyday life, if you're not a tournament fisherman, right, is try to think where the fish are going, stay ahead of them. But you can also live in the moment for the day. But the big thing is just because you slayed them on a bladed jig or a spinnerbait or a jig or whatever the day before, and you go back to that spot in the afternoon or you go back there tomorrow or two days later, doesn't mean that's still the deal, right? You may have to slow down. You may even have to throw a Senko. You may have to throw a shaky hip. Like, don't get stuck on 100% what worked two days ago from a bait or location. Now, it's not typically the bait and the location will completely change in two days, but they won't be very far. But just know that, like, especially in the spring, those fish are on the move. They're doing different things. You may have to adapt with them. <clears throat> and don't always be afraid to be out in front of the fish when you're trying to learn. So that was, uh, you know, we, we fell down a few spots in, uh, I think we felt, I guess we were still in second in team of the year points after that. Um, with, with, which bougie combo is that, what, what, what is the makeup of your, is it an ecstasy with a zillion or what is the, what is the combo ramps? <clears throat> I have not tried to clutch glide bait. Maybe somebody else in the chat has. <clears throat> so that leads us into... June, Lake Lahamadu chain, Alexandria chain up by Alexandria, Minnesota. So that's, for those who don't know where that is. So the river was down in Wabasha, which is southeast Minnesota. Then we went to South Dakota border, Ortonville, which is like straight west of me. Uh, and then we go kind of slight northwest of the cities a couple hours, Alexandria. And uh, so we're going a little bit north. So 
I had mostly been fishing at home. It's getting very post-spawn. Heading up there, figuring that they would be largely post-spawn at this point. Maybe there's a few late betters. Thought maybe the smallmouth would be still be hanging on. So we get up there. Um, got a late start of the cities. We got out for like an hour on Thursday night. <clears throat> Michael and I found a little corner shallow, absolutely loaded with bass. It wasn't many big ones there, kind of an inside weed line area. And uh, knew that was a place like <laughs> we could definitely start and catch a quick limit of decent fish. And uh, so it was good to see that. We we hopped around for some reason docks that night. Didn't really fish deep at all. And uh, that night we got some, I don't know, two and a half, almost three pound bites fishing shallow. So knocked the rust off, got the buzz around in the Camus a little bit um, and got a few bites, got Michael a few fish, had some fun. Went back, camped. We were super, <laughs> uh, thanks, shout out to Sport for letting us stay at his land and Uncle Marty were like, hanging out with his camper. And, uh, but it was very, uh, all there was is power on this land. There was no water or anything like that. The grass hadn't been mowed in quite some time. And, uh, so we were camping, sleeping in the truck. At least I was, Michael was staying in the camper with Marty. Uh, and, uh, got out fairly early the next day and started offshore. So I really wanted to mine because I figured like, we are getting late enough that there is a good chance <clears throat> that they're far enough post-spawn. The offshore bite should start to be happening. Um, we had a little bit of wind and clouds in the morning. So I started with a DT6 crankbait, a lipless crankbait, a three-quarter ounce chatterbait. And then Michael was flipping a, like a three-quarter ounce tube cross. So we were covering water, looking for active fish, thinking with the conditions, we should be able to cover water <coughs> pretty quickly. And this is the kind of lake where there's a lot of fish in this Lahamadu chain. Like it, numbers are rarely ever a problem catching a limit. And my experience on that, I haven't been there in 15 years is that like, if you cover enough water and you have good conditions for reaction baits, you shouldn't fish by a school. Like if you're covering water and you'll get like, boom, boom, you'll get a couple bites or you'll get one good bite and that'll tell you to slow down. You can kind of, you know, once you get a good bite, a two and a half, three pounder, or better than average bite, if you slow down, keep making caster or switch to a jig worm or something like that, you'll find them. Like it would be pretty rare for you to, with the number of fish and if the conditions are right, that you can't just blow down a weed line. And if there's a big chunk of fish there, they will show themselves. So we did that, caught some rock bass, caught some largemouth, we're catching pike, catching bass, catching all kinds of things. Uh, not really finding what we're looking for. We're getting a fish here and there. I mean, it's still fun. We're like, we're catching a fair amount of fish. Got some bluegills on a DT6 and uh, hop around, fish a half dozen spots. Then we finally hit an area where we like catch like six or eight, like two pound plus fish on crankbaits and tube craws and, and a few other things. Like, all right, this is, this is something we can circle. This, this is decent. Didn't get any three pound bites though. And it's like, eh, but we caught enough bites there and they were a little bit better than average fish that like, okay, this is something we can do. We don't want to keep fishing here just in case. Um, and, uh, the, so then we keep hopping around we, we found another little spot. We get a couple bites. It wasn't really good. Got to use my 360 a little bit more to see like these deeper bluegill beds, <coughs> um, off the weed edges, caught some fish, seeing those casting my jig worm to these bluegill beds, but they weren't the right fish. They were still two pounds and under, um, Hopped around, hopped around, kept fishing offshore, spent, you know, basically from 7 a.m. till noon fishing offshore, 
and then uh, you know getting some bites. It wasn't fast and furious. We had that one area that we felt good about. Otherwise, it was kind of sporadic. Uh, mixing up jig worms, plastics, jigs, things like that. Uh, really spending time in Lahamadu. <clears throat> and then a little bit of wind. We go up and fish the shallow reed point, and I like throw in there, and I kind of like, oh, that was a good bite, but didn't really know how good it was. Uh, kind of fell off. And then, like, two flips later, I set the hook again on a D-bomb in some reeds, and it was, like, almost four pounds. I was, like, it was, like, a strong 18-inch fish. I was, like, hmm. Like, literally, we spent five hours fishing offshore, caught dozens and dozens of fish, <coughs> but probably not one that touched three pounds. Go up shallow, get a decent bite, and then a big bite. I was, like, hmm. And the night before, our best fish were shallow again. So I'm thinking... All right, so we bop back out offshore, catch more fish, catch more fish, catch more fish. Not the right size. Then we try another section of the lake, bop around, bop around, bop around. That section of the lake really just didn't seem to be going. We tried shallow and deep in that section, didn't like it. Went into another lake and decided I was just going to finish the night shallow at that point and got some good bites again. We found numbers and decent size in a couple different sections. So now pretty convinced that we're going to fish shallow <laughs> during the tournament, but I wanted to fish offshore more to find some more schools just in case, because we were getting some cooler weather and I figured the offshore bite would be safer. And there was still a good chance that if we kept mining offshore, we may find a lot of them and good ones at the same time. And uh, so we spent the majority of our Saturday practice searching offshore, getting a few bites, getting a few bites here and there. And then we did find like two or three areas in this other lake where we had good concentrations of fish with decent quality, like two and a quarter to almost three pounders. But I don't think we ever caught a three, but like places where you could like literally like throw in there, catch one, throw in there, catch one, throw in there and catch one. And we did catch quite a few because we were trying to see if we could catch a three pounder. But so then by about lunchtime, we had located about two or three between the day before and up until lunchtime that day, we had literally probably three or four spots where we could confidently pull up and catch 12 to 13 pounds pretty quickly (coughs) if we needed to, but they weren't the bites we wanted. Um, Good luck tomorrow, Darius. Catch, Catch me a jank tomorrow. Send me a picture of a six pounder tomorrow, Darius. Yeah, David, replay gang. That's awesome. I'll usually have the podcast audio version up. Usually throw it up the night before, so it's in your inbox in the morning. And you can also catch the Facebook or YouTube replays as well. Throw some uh, football emoji smallmouth in the uh, the chat for uh, Darius members. <clears throat> but uh, so we went shallow later in the day plucked around we tried to pull on most of those fish we didn't really get any good more bites but we were trying to look at some new areas then we spent the last little bit of time fishing in lake carlos looking for some smallies and we did see one big dark black smallie on a point and uh that was uh uh an interesting thing and then we kind of spent some more time uh looking for those we caught a few i caught my first smallie in the chain that i've ever caught and uh, we caught some on jerk baits, figured out some baits, things like that. 
and uh I saw one good one. We saw a couple other fish. We caught a couple smaller ones on jerk baits and a few other baits and things like that and the swim bait. And kind of had something that was like, hey, you know what? We didn't catch a lot of fish, but this could be a good backup plan for late in the day if we really need something. <clears throat> so it wasn't a lot to go on, but we got a couple bites. We saw a couple fish and thought, there's another piece. So we had a three-pronged approach. We had our offshore fish. We had our shallow fish pattern. And then we had this kind of smally kind of super backup plan C going into the tournament. Um, yeah, it definitely has come around as a better fishery DG fishing. Um, and we'll talk about the tournament here in a little bit. Um, yeah, so they had almost 28 for seven. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of two-pound fish out on the Hamadi chain, so <clears throat> that's not surprising. And they've definitely gotten bigger. There's some threes and fours out there for sure. So tournament day, we kind of had this inside weed line stretch that we found on that Thursday night. We thought we could start there, and we knew we could catch some fish pretty good there, but we thought there was a good chance that we could get at least one or two, like, three, four-pound bites there. We ended up spending quite a bit of time there <coughs> and catching a lot of fish, but we probably only had, like, 12 pounds when we left there. Um, but then we kind of worked down from there, thinking if we kind of expand that area, uh, we were catching fish on inside weed lines, we were catching them up shallow, Michael was catching them on a chatterbait all over this area, and we kind of worked down, and... Uh, I caught a decent one on a dock on a jig, got rid of a fish. And then I saw a fish kind of come up and slurp on the surface. And I was like, that was weird. And so I pitched over to the hole in the grass. So there was like a clear spot. So I think he was like fry guarding or on a bed, a late bedder or something like this. And this was kind of on the main lake. So if there was going to be late spawning or fry guarding fish, it would make sense that it was on this deeper part of the lake. And uh, that kind of, I saw, and then he went back down in the hole. And then a little bit further down, I thought I saw a fish. So that fish keyed me in that maybe there are some fish that are still on the tail end of the spawn during the tournament. And we ended up running a mix of inside weed lines, looking for cruisers, fishing docks, fishing trees. We never ended up checking the deep bite at all because we just didn't think like, <laughs> uh, like that going out to the deep was going to get us like we would probably go out there and catch a pile of fish, but the chances of based on our practice, catching one over three was pretty low. So we ran that hard the rest of the day. Devin, I wish I was, but I finished like 18th at the qualifier when I needed to be in the top 10 last year. I really wish I was down on the river with you guys because for obvious reasons. What's up, Bill? Um, yeah, obviously a, a three pronged approach in a tournament is never a bad deal. <clears throat> so we ran that. We did mix in one inside turn where I saw some bigger fish. We tried some windier stuff, but it seemed like the slightly wind to calm stuff where we could kind of watch for cruisers, watch for fish cast to holes. You know, sometimes we'd see them. Sometimes we would just flip to the holes in the grass with, uh, generals or jigs and things like that. Michael was covering water, the back of the boat with a chatterbait. But like you saw in the video that came out yesterday, we, we crushed them. And like, I think I probably showed you 25, 30 fish on the, the video I did. Honestly, we caught 55, 60 fish 
Um, a lot of them didn't make the the cut. <clears throat> it was it was a banner day. But literally, we ended up with 16.3, 16.2 pounds. We were catching like, you know, we started the day with like five two-pounders. And then we got like two and a half pounders. And then we got up like two sevens, two eights, two nines, threes. And then got like three and a quarters. Like we ended up with like <clears throat> a limit of like three to three and a half pounders. Um, and we just didn't get a four pound bite. That was the difference. Like the teams that won and that were up there around us all had like a four to four and a half pounder. And we just didn't have that. Uh, and then late in the day I went to find, we went and fished smallies and I caught like that one good smallie to get rid of, but it was just a couple ounce call. Cause we just had already so many solid three pound largies. Super fun day. Awesome day. And kind of like big stone. I, I mean, Fourth place, solid finish. We get a check, uh, and happy about that. Always good to get some some money back from the tournaments. <clears throat> but you know, would have loved to win, but it just didn't happen. We just didn't get that bite. You can't complain about catching sixty fish and catching most of the right fish, but not getting that one kicker bite. I don't know. Maybe we should have ran a little more bank, a little more fresher water, covered more water. I don't know. Maybe there's a couple stretches we refished that maybe we shouldn't have. So we could have maybe had a little better odds, but we fished clean. Um, Michael maybe lost one on a chatterbait that might've helped. Uh, you know, Michael had like a two and a half pounder eat his chatterbait and a four pounder falls it in. Like how close was that four pounder to beating that two pounder to a chatterbait? Like that could have been the difference between us. Like, fourth and winning it <laughs> so it's like razor's edge in tournaments on like the difference between like fourth place and winning and sometimes it's i don't know sometimes it's what you do and sometimes i just i think it's meant to be um what's up benedetto um but so what do we learn there right like we i thought and i really made sure those fish weren't further along and we focused on that. Even when we got a few bites shallow where we saw those quality fish, I knew and felt, I guess at least I felt confident that we could just run that based on the conditions of the tournament and what we saw in front of us that I didn't need to practice much shallow. So we really spent our time practicing offshore, hoping to find kind of a juice spot home run where it would all go down in one spot. <clears throat> and knowing that I felt confident that we could just go shallow during the event as we needed to hopefully catch those fish that we kind of got a glimpse of in practice. Plus the state tournaments there in August. So the time we spent offshore should pay dividends down the road. Going to fish a pond upstate fishing tomorrow, what, upstate Minnesota, upstate New York, like well, upstate where, <clears throat> and are they largemouth? Give me a few more deeds. Uh, what's up, Alan? How you doing? You're always making some cool stuff fishing the southeast. <clears throat> yeah, I would pond new. I, I would think a frog would be really good. Like they should be getting on that frog bite. Senkos, frogs, swim jigs, all be good options. I would think. Do you have much of that dead grass moss by you? You're talking about where it gets like slimy, kind of shallow when the water gets too warm too fast in the shallows, or like when the the, the pond weed dies off and it gets mossy. Um, <clears throat> if so, or you're talking about like surface moss where it gets like slimy thick on the surface. But if it's like the stuff that's in the water, 
then a swim jig i like and then uh weightless plastics like ring fries generals senkos <clears throat> things like that um but the swim jig does okay otherwise it's like weightless plastics and things like that um so and if you're fun fishing right there would have been nothing wrong and we had a blast like you could go out on the wee lines and you find the right spot you could sit there and just hammer on them we've got them on jerk baits dt6s jig worms flipping craw tubes um chatter baits lots of stuff <clears throat> but um you know for a tournament situation or if you're a fun fisherman you want to catch bigger fish sometimes you have to leave all those bites to figure out where the quality bite is <coughs> what's up thomas Ain't no shame in the replay squad. We are about, let's see, what time are we at here? We are uh, about 20-some minutes from getting ready for the member stream. Um, kind of depends on the depth of your pond, right? So weightless or Nico for the general. I've not tried a Nico general. I have not played around with putting a nail weight in it. I would imagine it'd be pretty good, but I guess it depends how deep you're fishing. If you're fishing five foot or less, I'd probably just go straight weightless. If you're fishing more than five feet, then probably a light Nico would be better. My favorite frog mods are really just to tweak the hooks out slightly. Um, and sometimes add a few rattles for in the mats. Those are the two main things. And then obviously trimming the skirt, depending on the model. So that's that's kind of the, the, the recap and how I, at least the thought processes of how I broke down the lakes, how we practiced them, how we approached them. Hopefully that gives you all some insight on, you know, next time you're facing a new body of water or a place you already fished, like how would you attack them? Hopefully there was some insight there. Um, okay. Tacos, fajitas, chimichangas. What are we talking about, Gabe? I could bet the Nico was good. How did you do today, Devin? Um, he's sitting good at the regional. I kind of glanced at the. Uh, we could look up. Should we look up Devin live? All right, here we go. He didn't ask for it, but he's getting it. Devin is 27th, two fish for four or five, two decent fish. <clears throat> so out of, uh, there's quite a few zeros here. So that's got to be what, 84? Sitting all right. How'd, the, how'd your Iowa? So there's uh, the top guy in Iowa's seven pounds. So I don't know. You're you're in the hunt with four or five. That's one fish to make up in two days. So tied for third in the state. Tied with Aaron here. So you're sitting good. You got to put three fish in the box tomorrow, and you got a pretty good chance at uh, fishing day three and going to Nationals, Devin. So good luck. <clears throat> Chaladas. 
See, I'm not an enchilada guy. They're too soft for me, Gabe. Um, yeah, and I think AJ AJ's fishing this tournament. I forget where he was sitting. I think he's just below Devin from Nebraska. He's a he's a he's a I think he's a channel member. AJ Mende uh, sitting thirty fourth. <clears throat> I don't know how he's sitting for Nebraska. If there's somebody ahead of him, or if he's uh, let's see, he might be leading Nebraska. I don't. Nope. There's Tom LeBlanc. So he's little ways behind, but not a lot of people in front of him. So he's he's definitely got a chance here. And then my buddy uh, Pete Hare, who has been in some of my videos and I've fished with before, he's second in Minnesota on the co-angler side. So he's in the hunt. He's only like six ounces out of first in Minnesota. <clears throat> so let's go, Pete, in my bass club. Ooh. I had some Taco Bell tonight, too. No truer thing has been spoken, Thomas. How did you do, JP? I bet that was a great... I didn't, catch, I didn't follow that one super close, but uh, how did you do? There's AJ. You're right in the mix, AJ. You got this. You've been here before. You know how to get it done. <clears throat> I uh, don't throw a ton of balsa cranks. I actually, yeah. Uh, well, no. What? What? What is? Isn't it? Isn't a DT six a balsa? I threw the heck out of a DT six. But as far as like your custom balsa, black label, Bagley's, that kind of stuff, I don't throw them a ton unless I'm on the river. Typically, um, do them a lot down the Watchtower River. If the pond is murky. Uh, black chartreuse, black or chartreuse blue back is a good bluegill color. Any of those would be good, but yeah, up here in Minnesota, a DT6 just comes through the grass like butter, catches a ton of fish. <clears throat> Hopefully, Devin and, and AJ got all their stuff tied up for tomorrow. Hope you guys got some good draws around some fish, and you guys catch them up. The Hellafam will be pulling for you in spirit tomorrow. All right, Tom. Drive safe. What? That's blasphemy, Matthew. Yeah, I bet. That's the one thing is I the the, the Bass Nation regionals are super underrated. Uh, if you guys have a chance to fish a club and, and make a state and, and qualify, it is it is a great experience um, as a boater, as a non-boater. It's a first-class operation. It's a super big tournament. Bassmaster makes you feel like you're an open slash elite pro and they treat you right. And it's a great time. <clears throat> All right. We got about time for about 15 more minutes of questions before we shift gears and head over to the members live stream where we'll be giving away some stuff to our kind of a members appreciation stream and giveaway this month. 
Fish in the Southeast says he's catching three to four and a half pounders on the Lucky Craft 4.0 BDS. Nice. It looks good, but it was stingy the day I was there, Brian. There you go. Get that Nico. Sling that Nico and get you three in the boat. <clears throat> Ooh, sexy dog. Well, good luck, AJ. Get to bed. You can always catch the members replay later this weekend after you fish day three. Top three baits for July. Jig, frog, and then like a three-quarter ounce flipping D-bomb, tube cross, something like that. <clears throat> Those would be my three. Two go baits in Minnesota are on grass. Walkout song. The last two years I made the Bass Nation, I used Born for this. I forget who sings it. So I guess, sure, let's go with that. <clears throat> Perch jerk baits. When and where? Are you talking about like for catching panfish? I usually just use some kind of tiny jig and a little bit of plastic or a little like gulp piece of something on there. <clears throat> Keep plugging. Sometimes you just got to fish your way out of a slump, DG. <clears throat> um, it's a very vague question. Hard to say. But maybe slow down, maybe change baits. Don't be afraid to leave smaller biting fish to go look for bigger fish. Those are some things to think about. Yeah. That sounds right. The score. I'm pretty sure that's right, Daniel. Oh, the bots are here. Team mods. Go get them. <laughs> Fish the Southeast and team. Here's your chance. I feel like we've made it. It's always a good sign that you're uh, getting hitting the algorithm on YouTube <clears throat> when the uh, to make that uh, you get noticed. <clears throat> All right. What other questions do we have for the last few minutes? As we uh, land the plane tonight. <clears throat> so um, what's coming up? I got a tournament on my least favorite lake, Lake Marion, uh, on July 9th. So that'll be coming up. Um, and then a couple weeks later, we've got a TBF state tournament on Lake Vermilion which I'm super stoked about. That should be a smallmouth crush fest. Uh, should be excited. I won, or I almost, or what I think I took third or fourth in the Northern Regional two years ago to make the Nationals there. So I'm excited with that. Um, and then uh, August is the Bass Nation State Tournament on the Hamadou. So a couple of big tournaments coming up. Um, 
see here. Eight hours to fish with anyone. Who is it? Hmm. I think I think maybe like Greg Hackney would be cool. Let's see. DG, it's been a weird year. I think the post bond is probably lingering a little more than you're used to up there. I think it'll turn around for you pretty soon. Because that wasn't too far. So I was fishing in Alexandria, right? Which isn't too far from you. And the better fish for me were coming inside weed lines, docks, reeds, laydowns, things like that. So that should be happening for you right now as well. And then they should start filtering out deep here pretty soon. Yeah. Vermilion is the bomb. I don't throw a ton of deep crankbaits. I do have a Dobbins XP765 crankbait rod, 12-pound line, 7-to-1 reel. Don't do it a ton, but that's my setup. Favorite weedless hook? I mainly use the weedless Nico. Number one, number two. Rich G, you are as young as you feel. What's up, Joe? Uh, Devin, we, we were on the chain, Alexandria chain. <clears throat> Mohamedou. So, Mohamedou, Carlos, Darling. That's where the tournament was. So, you... uh. You're Devin, you're a big fan of uh mini washta. No mini mini waska. We had a tournament there a couple years ago that I almost won the two-day event there, but came up just short. But waska's got a zillion fish in it, some good Somalis. Probably wouldn't hurt to eat some of those 12-inch large out of there, <laughs> thin them out a little bit so some of the other ones can grow a little bigger. But uh a great lake to take kids fishing and to get bites and to learn things because you get a ton of action from the fish, ton of feedback. There is no wrong way to rig a power chunk on a jig. Some people like to thread it. Some people like to just stick it on there. I'm more of a threader. A lot of people down south like to just stick it on there. Hmm. ton of dinks using a Ned on a South Metro Lake. What baits would you have thrown to upsize the fish? Maybe a Nico, a little full-size Nico. You know, if you're throwing like a two and a half inch Ned, maybe go to like a four or five inch Nico. I had a few Risto wraps, but I got rid of them, never threw them much. But I know there's a cult following for them. Where and when would I throw a jerkbait painted like a perch? Um, in lakes that have perch in them. So like smallmouth lakes up here, <clears throat> like uh, Malax that have good perch populations, perch jerkbaits are pretty good in those kind of situations. So, um, and I would think like, I forget where you're at, John, but I know like perch jerkbaits work pretty good on like St. Clair, Champlain, you know, Northern lakes that have perch that have good populations of smallies and largemouth are good bets, and they tend to catch walleyes as well. Mm -mm -mm. 
see here. So, any more questions? So we're about to wrap things up for a quick bio break before we head into the members-only stream here in about 10 minutes. So we got about five more minutes here. Uh, I don't think I don't own any BX Brats. <clears throat> I've got some of the old like DT Fat square bills and some other square bills, but I've never tried the BX Brat. But like, it's a good square bill. I don't know why it wouldn't be good. Uh, so I just got so many square bills already. I just haven't found a need to buy many new ones. I do have, I've got two Helix 10s out the dash, one Helix 12 and a 360 up front, but I've got a dual mount up front for a future front-facing uh, application, but that one's not on there yet. <clears throat> and then uh, no anchors yet. Let's see. <clears throat> when to throw a Carolina rig? Uh, now is a pretty good time to start throwing a Carolina rig around Minnesota. Fish are going to start going offshore. You can start covering edges of weed lines, offshore rock spots. Anywhere you throw a football jig, Carolina rig probably gets more bites. Still catches big ones. Um, yeah, depending on the clarity of the lake. But, like, anywhere where you get a little bit of hard spot outside some weeds, start slinging that sea rig right now up where you live. And if you live down south, <clears throat> you've been in sea rig season already for a while. Nice. And as far as my favorite Carolina rig baits, Baby Brush Hog is a really good one. Much appreciated, Rich G. Yeah, if you guys haven't missed it, there's a recent tourney vid Tuesday. I tried to get it out for Monday night, but there was just so many fish catches I couldn't possibly get it edited <laughs> and out the next day. Working hard, working late, Thomas. <clears throat> um favorite square bill probably the one that i've done the best on throughout the years is the ema square bill um i've also done okay on the 1.5s i mean i don't know if like a, a frit side is really considered a square bill but that's been pretty good lately <clears throat> i don't do as much square billing as i'd like <clears throat> so Favorite crankbait hooks? Um, usually just Gamagatsus. I'm not that picky. I'm not like a super snob when it comes to trebles. Um, I don't typically change trebles until tournament day, so I'll practice and fish factory hooks all the time. And I don't pre-change my hooks until I'm actually going to use or think I'm going to use a bait in the tournament. <clears throat> I'll have to take you up on that maybe someday, fishing the southeast. <clears throat> that is a good call. If you just need to get a bite, that centipede on a sea rig, on a mojo, even on like a little jig head, maybe just a little like tiny Texas rig, gets bit. I'll think about that. I'll try to do maybe some more, uh, especially on the days where we get windier and the audio is good. Maybe I'll try to work in more kind of background where I vo voiceover is the word we're looking for here. 
I mean, I definitely like to have good hooks, but I also, I don't know, what I have is working for me, but I don't get like super particular. I'm not like, oh, it's got to be this exact short round bed and da 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 da. I just feel like as long as I buy good owner Gamagatsu hooks and they're sharp, it works. <clears throat> um, I don't get super crazy. Now, if I was doing more swim baits, I think that matters more with like the split rings and that kind of stuff. Um, I got a mixture of EWG and open, you know, uh, round beds. Sometimes I'll mix those on top waters. Sometimes I'll go, you know, I do like red hooks on my front, on my top waters. Sometimes I'll play around with EWGs, round beds, depending on what the fish are doing. All right. Well, it is about seven minutes to the members only stream. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you for those that came in to check out the live stream tonight. We'll be back, I think, for the next few weeks, even with the 4th of July. I think we'll be able to knock out a stream next week. Maybe we'll get a guest. Might be another solo stream because I know people are busy. Uh, If you came in late, watch the replay on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you can, or download, search Halabas in your favorite podcast app. These all go out on audio format. It all helps the channel. Thumbs up. Leave a comment. Anything helps. Um, appreciate everybody's interaction. I love the interaction of the community and uh, members. Make sure you uh, join the live stream here in just a few more minutes. And uh, always here, as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass. Suck less. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.